0: Listener Production.
1: Hello, Tom Tilley with you for The Briefing. In this episode, how eating disorders are fueled by social media. Researchers have found that there's an increase in hospital admissions every time a new social media platform is introduced. But one platform in particular has caused the biggest spike.
0: Seven minutes of exposure to beauty content on TikTok, which includes beauty tutorials, skincare routines even unfortunately baby botox journeys uh, for young girls we found that just seven minutes of exposure to that type of content increased appearance anxiety appearance shame And it decreased their self-compassion and positive mood.
1: Yeah, so in this episode, Katrina will look into the trouble with TikTok, particularly for vulnerable teenagers and why this platform, more than any other, is prompting so much concern. First, here are today's big headlines. It is the 1st of November and I'm joined by Antoinette Latouf.
2: Israel has confirmed it was behind an attack on a refugee camp that killed dozens of people. Among them, Israeli authorities say, was a senior Hamas commander. Hamas is yet to confirm that death, but 50 bodies have been removed from the rubble and rescuers are still trying to get to others. The United Nations boss has once again called for a ceasefire in Gaza and for more humanitarian access for civilians who are fast running out of food, water and basic medical stock.
1: Yeah, so UNICEF, which is the UN Children's Fund, is saying that uh, 3,400 children have already been killed in Gaza uh, and more than 6,000 injured. uh, And they're citing the Palestinian Ministry of Health. There's a lot of children in Gaza, um, almost half the population population. Um is under 18, according to Save the Children. And they're saying more children have been killed in three weeks of conflict there than all conflict over the last four years.
2: Look, there's so much on social media that's horrifying to watch. And I've seen so many dead people and blood and body parts. But what's actually getting to me the most... It's actually not the dead or dying children, surprisingly. I stay awake thinking of the ones I see who are injured, who are like shaking and tremoring from, from the trauma. It's that fight or flight response. They're so shocked and traumatised and I don't know, I just think, you know, whether they survive after the video stops recording or not, they're just, I can't imagine the terror and trauma that they're going to live with for the rest of their life. And, you know, that to me is what sta- you know, keeps me up awake at night and, and I think it's leading to a lot of people questioning like, How many more children will have to die in the name of self-defence? Is there no other way to come to some sort of resolution?
1: And the U.S. has announced new changes to try and regulate artificial intelligence. We're going to see more technological change in the next 10, maybe next five years than we've seen in the last 50 years. And that's a fact. And the most consequential technology of our time, artificial intelligence, is accelerating that change. Yeah, so Joe Biden signed an executive order which will require developers of AI to share test results with the US government. And guidelines will also be issued for the labeling and watermarking of AI content, to address the risk of fraud and deep fakes.
2: Yeah, I think this is a good step. I mean, AI is as exciting as it is terrifying and we're always playing catch up with the law when it comes to tech. So I think it's a welcome move um, because, you know, we know earlier this year the creators of AI, many of them were sounding the alarm, going it's moving too fast, we've kind of lost control. It also comes as UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak um, announced the world's first AI safety institute um, and that's just a couple of days ago and that's definitely also going to be needed because the biggest challenges are biases, lack of transparency and we don't really know just how much it's going to impact us until it does.
1: Yeah, well, humanity's been through some big changes, you know, from the printing press to the internet, now AI, the industrial revolution before a lot of that. This one, as Biden rightly points out, is just pace of change that is so concerning. We need to find the right ways to... Yeah, monitor, control it. So, yeah, I agree with you. This does seem like a step in the right direction.
2: There's been a guilty verdict in the White Island Volcano court case. That was the 2016 eruption that claimed 22 lives, including 14 Australians. As we've reported here on the briefing, the island is privately owned by three brothers. And yesterday, the court found their tour company was guilty of failing to manage the risk of a volcano.
1: This was a major failure and amounts to a breach of its duty under Section 37.
2: That was the judge. The company, Fakari Management Limited, will face a maximum fine of $1.4 million, but the three brothers won't face individual convictions.
1: Yeah, this has been a big news story in New Zealand. This case has been going for several months. Um, Initially, there were charges on the three brothers as individuals, but they didn't go ahead, so now their company has been fined. Um, And there are a number of other companies that pled guilty, um, so they're all gonna face sentencing in the near future.
2: Australia is in the grip of our eighth COVID wave. Experts say we're past the emergency phase of the pandemic now and the latest infections are less severe than before. Experts also say our population is stronger now because of immunity built up through millions of vaccinations and also previous infections. Sadly, just over 3,300 Aussies lost their lives to COVID in the first nine months of this year and that's compared with 8,622 over the same period last year. Tom? It feels a little bit strange that we're talking about COVID waves.
1: Mm, yeah, it is a bit of a blast from the past. It's good to see the death numbers are coming down. History will show that last year was the most deadly year of the pandemic, but it was the year where we got back to normal finally. Yeah, it does feel like news from another time where we used to watch Netflix and stay home.
2: I had a friend a text me, I've had two friends in the past 48 hours message me going, oh, I've come down, you know, I've got a positive COVID test, just letting you know. And I'm like, Oh, firstly, you're still testing, and B, I don't really care that much. But thank you for letting me know. Having yeah. said that, I'm not immunocompromised. I don't. Uh, I, I'm not elderly. I don't have other medical conditions. That's probably why I'm a bit blasé about it. But I, f- I found the text and the notification interesting, which previously would have mortified me.
1: Yeah, it does. That's about the only time it comes up if you sort of seek medical treatment for something related. They're like, mm. oh, you should do a COVID test, and mm. then you you do the COVID test and get on with your life. All right, we're going to jump out of here and Katrina's bring you this really interesting research on the impact of social media on eating disorders.
3: a billion-dollar industry that preys on vulnerable teenagers' clicks to increase its ad revenue. It sounds kind of dystopian, but that is the scathing assessment of social media giants after a study directly correlating Queensland hospital admissions for eating disorders to the introduction of every new platform over the last 20 years. And we're talking all of them from Facebook in 2004, YouTube in 2005, then Instagram and Snapchat in 2010 and 2011 and then TikTok in 2016. These figures seem to be strong evidence of what we've long suspected that there is an undeniable relationship between social media and body image. And TikTok has been named as the prime offender. To find out why, let's bring in Griffith University psychology professor, Dr. Vaya Seekers, who specialises in body image in young people. Dr. Vayer, thank you for joining us on the briefing. How hard was it to look through this data to find a cause and effect relationship?
0: Very hard. I think, though, what we need to make clear is that it's not necessarily a cause and effect. It is correlational. So what we have seen are these increases in hospitalisation in eating disorders, but we're also seeing at the same time increases in highly visual social media apps, So it seems as though people are using these apps that have very idealised content on there that can be potentially harmful. And because we're seeing the increase in that and the increase in eating disorders in hospitalisation, then we can come to that conclusion that there is a a strong correlation between the two.
3: It could be a bigger problem here, couldn't it? Because not everyone with an eating disorder is necessarily hospitalised.
0: I have just attended a recent uh, eating disorders conference, the Australian New Zealand Academy for Eating Disorders, in August, and listening to the amount of data that's coming out that's suggesting that people are not even receiving treatment. So there's a huge waiting list just to receive treatment. So that's at the the start of it. By the time people are actually hospitalised, you know we've moved way past that. And that causes a lot of problems because we know that eating disorders, and when I uh, talk about eating disorders in this context, I'm specifically talking more about the bulimia and anorexia nervosa, which can be extremely problematic. And if they're not treated uh, early, then it's so easily uh, escalated and they become very treatment resistant.
3: If you could walk us through this study, what did you find over the last 20 years?
0: What we have found is that it seems as though more and more people are coming forward uh, to receive treatment. It is something that people conceal. And so it's very difficult for them to come forward. They feel as though they're going to be stigmatized. It's a very difficult disorder to acknowledge, but we also need to understand that what hasn't changed is that about a million people a year are affected. Uh, with an eating disorder here in Australia. So the prevalence rates are fairly steady in that we're looking at about 1% to 3% of the population who are likely to develop, for example, anorexia nervosa, and it's more likely to affect girls than it is boys.
3: What did you find when you tracked the advent of each new platform with hospital admissions?
0: With each new platform that comes along, there seems to be more and more appearance-related content. So when we look at Facebook, which is kind of where research sort of started about 10, 12 years ago, we certainly found correlations between the use of Facebook, for example, and body dissatisfaction. And one of the first studies looked at adolescent girls. So we already knew that there was a a moderate to strong correlation between the use of of Facebook and body dissatisfaction. And just to clarify, body dissatisfaction or the drive for thinness, these are symptoms of uh, eating disorders such as bulimia and anorexia nervosa. So as each new platform comes along, it becomes even more image-focused. So when we looked at Snapchat, Instagram, particularly Instagram is highly curated so you're looking at very, very idealized content on there, uh, in terms of images of women. And then of course we move to TikTok, which just takes it that bit further because TikTok was the first to introduce the, the bite-size video. So it just means that particularly young people are able to just scroll through that really quickly. It's so easy to consume bite-size content and it's very entertaining we're finding that just short exposure to, for example, TikTok content is increasing body dissatisfaction, self-objectification, appearance, anxiety, again, all of which are symptoms of eating disorders and even body dysmorphic disorder.
3: When you say short exposure, what kind of time frame is that?
0: The first study we did, we looked at seven minutes. So we found that seven minutes of exposure to beauty content on TikTok, which includes beauty tutorials, skincare routines, even, unfortunately, baby Botox journeys uh, for young girls, we found that just seven minutes of exposure to that type of content increased appearance anxiety, appearance shame, and it decreased their self-compassion and positive mood. It also increased the amount of comparisons that girls were making to that content. And we know that the comparison process is probably the most dangerous aspect of the link between exposure to this type of content on TikTok or Instagram and body dissatisfaction or symptoms of eating disorders.
3: Oh, when you think about seven minutes, I mean, most people are spending a lot longer than that online. And that leads me to my next question, which is what happened during the pandemic when a lot of people were spending a lot longer online.
0: We've done research where we see the average time spent, and this is for for young women between the age of 17 and 25, we know that the average amount of time spent is up to four hours a day. So when you think about seven minutes compared to the amount of hours that they spend, it's not difficult to draw the conclusions that we do have a very strong correlation between eating disorder symptoms, body dysmorphic symptoms, and social media use, in particular, the appearance-related social media use. I think one of the reasons that we're seeing these correlations between, let's say, TikTok relative to other apps and eating disorder uh, hospitalization, for example, is how aggressive this TikTok algorithm actually is, even relative to Instagram or Snapchat. It will constantly monitor people's interactions on TikTok. It will constantly monitor the type of content they're even pausing at, and it will then push similar type content to their feed. So if someone is feeling vulnerable about their body image, and they have paused at something even for a few seconds, they're going to be bombarded with potentially harmful content. So at this conference that I was just at in in August, there was data that was being uh, spoken about in terms of TikTok use, and they were showing well above 100% increase of this type of potentially harmful content being pushed to those who have body image concerns relative to those who don't. So the algorithm is very, very intuitive. It's able to understand the way that a person is interacting on TikTok. And it will very quickly find those people who are vulnerable to body image concerns. This year, we
3: have a body image activist, Taryn Brumfit, named Australian of the Year. That would suggest we have more awareness and resources directed at this issue than ever before. But what are you finding are we winning the battle? Is,
0: uh, ha- are you hopeful? I have to be. I have to be hopeful. These are our, our children and our future. I do think that, you know, relative to when I was a child, where I would go to the news agents to purchase a, a magazine once a month, I might flip through it for a week and that's it. I can't imagine what it must be like being a young person today, having all of this content in the palm of your hand. It makes a huge difference. And I think Taryn's been an amazing advocate for positive body image and just acceptance of who we are without the need to conform to what society deems to be attractive. And Taryn has been working with the Embrace Kids program, which I also feel very privileged to be a part of. Uh, I've contributed the self-compassion component to that program. And we are trialing that uh, currently in South Australia, here in Queensland, and potentially in New South Wales. It's going to be wonderful to be able to see some evidence from a very positive body image program that we've put together. So we're not focusing on the negatives. We're really trying to flip that, Uh, whilst it is important that young people understand the dangers we don't want to focus on that. It really is about giving them a strengths-based approach to navigating social media and understanding their own emotions when they're viewing the type of content that we just spoke about.
3: For anyone listening who has you know, younger people in their life, either as a relative or as a friend, what can we do to combat this toxic messaging online?
0: There are so many things that we can do. When it comes to young people, I always say they're going to model what their parents are doing. If their parents are spending a long time on social media, they're probably going to model very similar behaviour. It is important that we limit our time. My colleagues and I have just recently been looking at some preliminary findings where we did some detoxing from social media. So we did a seven-day detox. We looked at limited time per day, so just 20 minutes relative to the hours that people are spending. And cleansing one's feed. So if content comes through the feed and someone just asks themselves, is this making me feel uncomfortable? Do I feel a little bit dissatisfied with myself right now? Yes, then delete and get rid of. So what we're doing is trying to help people rejig that algorithm, rework the algorithm that works for you. Don't let the algorithm control you. And that's something that parents can do with their kids even just have a three-day detox and say, right, we're not going to engage with social media for three days. Or for this week, we're going to cleanse our feed together. Let's get rid of content that, that doesn't make us feel good about ourselves. Let's unfollow content or influencers who aren't making us feel good about ourselves. So there are a variety of things that parents can do with their children so that it doesn't seem so daunting for the child to engage in detoxing, Cleansing, all of those sorts of things.
3: That was Dr. Vaya Seekus from Griffith University. Really interesting research. It makes me feel so sad and troubled and a little bit hopeless, but Dr. Vaya says she remains hopeful. And I guess the reason for that is we do have more power than we think, you know, in, in terms of fighting back against that algorithm. It's certainly given me uh, a lot to think about in what I can do to cleanse my feed. I'm definitely going to be doing that the next time I jump on.
1: Listener